0: This episode is brought to you in partnership with Xero. Welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Sarah Kashansky. This week, I'll be uncovering the murky world of SMB finances. <laughs> There are approximately 5.7 million SMBs in the UK right now, and they employ almost 16 million people. Together, they turn over £1.8 trillion per year, which makes no small contribution to the UK economy and GDP.
1: Yeah, I think it's the lifeblood of the UK economy. SMEs since the financial crisis, have created most of the jobs that have been created out there. I think there's a kind of challenge out there with helping SMEs to really thrive and become more productive to support the UK's economy going forward. So it's kind of why I feel really passionate about helping here. And I, I think that the big five incumbent banks just don't really pay enough attention to the, the real micro enterprises and, and small businesses that are the heart of the UK economy.
0: We've talked about it a lot before on this show, but SMBs are traditionally underserved by big banks whose business banking user experience is either restrictive or doesn't offer the smaller businesses the support they actually need to get off the ground. Even fintechs are only recently getting involved in full-service small business banking. We've said this many times before, but it still rings true. SMBs in the UK, and indeed around the world, have it tough, particularly when it comes to banking. SMBs have historically been poorly served by traditional banks and financial services models. Slowly, technology is beginning to change this, but not quickly enough.
2: Um, I think it's been said that SMB has has perhaps been the poor relation in in banking.
0: This is Ed Burks, Director of FinTech at Zero. Uh,
2: particularly. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing an awful lot of, of really bright people thinking really, really hard about how they uh, engage uh, SMBs and, and we touched on, on, on disintermediation. I think that's a very real threat uh, unless banks are able to really get their act together in terms of experience and serving up the right kind of services and again, recognising the way that SMBs engage with these services and, and, and buy.
0: We've interviewed small business owners, accountants and experts to reveal exactly how underserved the underserved SMB sector really is. We've also first-hand perspectives on the top three pain points of business banking. Getting a bank account, getting a business loan and making and receiving payments once your business is actually up and running. There are multiple stresses and risks and hundreds of other things you need to consider as an SMB business owner when you're first starting out. There's so much to take into account. Your USP, your pitch, your team if you have one, your first client, your first payment, your first office and plenty of other tiny details besides. Kicking off at SMB is a big undertaking. From a banking perspective, the very first thing any SMB owner will need to do is set up a business bank account. To take a deep dive into this, we spoke to some people who have experienced this particular pain point firsthand. We spoke to Paul Bullpit, founder of Wow Company and head of accounting at Xero, who works with hundreds of small businesses and has seen the same issues again and again over the years. We also chatted with Sam Booth, the CEO of Just After Midnight, a cloud and 24-hour support business. And we spoke to Oren Greenberg, Digital Marketing Manager at Curve, where he helps enterprise clients and funded startups with their growth. With his varied experience, Paul is more than qualified to tell us how difficult it is for an SMB just starting out to do something as simple as open a bank account. My name
1: is Paul Ballpitt. I'm the head of accounting at Zero in the UK and co-founder of the accounting firm, The Wow Company. So I've actually got first-hand experience of the pain of opening a business bank account with a mainstream bank. Uh, we arranged a meeting with this particular bank uh, in advance. Uh, we answered some pre-qualification questions to check that it was okay. Went into the branch and we were treated beautifully, lovely service, cups of tea, etc. Then it was pretty much when we were we'd been there in an hour and we still felt that we were no closer to. Being able to actually open the, the bank account, that we started to uh, feel a bit uh, uneasy about the, the experience. So we were we were asked lots of basic information that, in my view, the bank probably could have. This is like publicly available information that they they could have got in advance or after the fact. Two hours in, we basically got up and and walked out having having wasted my business partner and I having wasted two hours in the branch and however long it it took traveling you just you see why people are reluctant to to switch banks so even though the service with our current business bank uh, has been uh, atrocious for like very long time with some hideous stories of, of customer service we're still with them because the the thought and the pain of having to switch to another bank is that painful
3: Everything is incredibly cumbersome, complex, lots of paperwork, you know, I do everything digitally. Yeah, every time I have a problem, I have to send in a physical letter, which doesn't really make much sense to me. Like, why can't I just send an email or have even do things in a phone call?
0: This is Oren Greenberg, Digital Marketing Manager at Curve. I'm yeah,
3: quite frustrated every time I talk to a representative, I get different advice on what's, how to go about doing something. I think it's just the nature of, you know, it's like a 50,000 man bank or something. So, and so much of it is outsourced to other countries. So I think... The customer service is lacking, but here's a great example. So I've got a business bank account, and when I click on mortgages, it takes me to consumer lending in the business app, which doesn't make any sense. So the the user experience in the app is fragmented, and actually my credit card, I can't access it through my business app, and when I access my RBS
2: credit card account, I have... Yeah, so I'm Sambu, CEO just after midnight. Um, I run a managed cloud business and a 24-7 support business combined so essentially we work with digital and creative agencies where they like to give their clients 24 7 Uh, service uh, and clients obviously expect that 24-7 service uh, when they've been built a website or application and we outsource and provide a white label of support to those creative businesses. I found the the process of of going about comparing the banks and the bank accounts quite quite easy um, in in the sense that there's a lot of information online and, and essentially i I selected what I was going to do based on price being a brand new business at the time, as most people are when they're starting to open an account, or their first account at least. The process from there on out was particularly difficult, I guess. There was a long, long wait time between when I put an inquiry in. In fact, I think I put an inquiry in uh, online and then had to follow up on the phone because I didn't get a get a response within the time that they said they were going to respond in. I then got sent to a local branch. Now where I am, the local branch is probably not used to the same volume of, of business inquiries that might have been in, in central London. And so I, I went down. They got a business advisor, and I think the the biggest thing for me was the understanding. I mean, what we do is is fairly technical to to some extent, and obviously the person that was working there in the branch and doing doing the, the account opening had little idea of. What we were talking about, or what I was talking about, and and really I could have been showing any business plan in the world, because the the knowledge simply wasn't there of the business. Anyway, went through a whole load of questions and question process, uh, which was you know very time intensive. Then had to do follow up and wait for a few things. I think there was a about a two or three week wait between when I went into that store and when all the information went off, including coming back to me several times for a few documents for. U.S. government and, and a few other forms that had to be filled out for tax purposes, and all of that was to open an account to which I was going to then introduce a capital injection. So it wasn't even to borrow money; there was no there was no loan attached to it. Um, all we were doing was putting, putting money in there to, for the ability to be able to get paid and pay people out. Um, so it all seemed very very laborious from that from from that perspective when you compare it to you know buying insurance online or, or, or doing something like that.
0: So all of these stories demonstrate exactly how laborious and manual the processes are to get a business bank account up and running. As the guys demonstrated, more often than not, you have to go in person to a branch, fill out a lot of forms and provide physical copies of supporting evidence that could actually have been submitted online in advance. The result is small businesses expend a lot of time and effort, giving a lot of information to advisors who actually know nothing about it. And often, as per Paul's example, the outcome is still negative. Without a business account, the small business literally cannot get moving. It can't make or receive payments, bill any clients. Essentially, the business cannot run at all without an account.
2: It actually delayed it um, quite significantly. I actually, actually remember that we were waiting to, to get paid our first invoices. and So it took me a long time to be able to get the details to give the client to even be able to get paid. From the client side, it wasn't too much problem because they were just not having to pay something. But certainly from the people that we'd used to set up certain things for the business, so from a marketing perspective, we'd had some work done on our own website and some other bits and pieces, and, and that was the stuff that was getting delayed. I couldn't pay those people out. So like I say, it caused more financial stress for me in some ways because it had to be paid out of a, out of a personal account before uh, when actually we had money waiting. Yeah, so I mean, I didn't have the cash uh, available to, to start the business.
1: Yeah, so these businesses cannot trade really until they've got the, the bank account. They certainly can't collect money from their, uh, their clients without that bank account being there. Like in the starkest terms, it's restraining United Kingdom's GDP, really.
0: Some really quite dark words there from Paul, which are not unfounded if you bear in mind the stats we mentioned earlier about the number of small businesses there are in the UK alone. And all of them are having similar issues. Without bank accounts, these guys physically can't get their businesses moving. This issue contributes to widespread feelings of fear and apathy towards banks and the result is a reluctance to changing bank accounts, even if it could mean better rates or indeed customer service. Additionally, the SMBs we spoke to didn't actually rate the service they were already receiving or the due diligence on their businesses.
2: It's the fear of it going wrong. Essentially, I mean, it's like, you know, there's enough paperwork when it's running smoothly. When you think about making a big change like that, you, you start to think, oh, actually, and you know, and, and and actually, because of the regulate the financial regulation around the banks, they they're asking more and more questions around simple things. So we had a, what was called a safeguard check with our bank. Just recently, which was to to pretty much find out more information because they realised they didn't have enough information on all the customers to fulfil certain regulations. And so I had a letter saying we'll stop your services unless you book a phone call with us, which was delivered signed for to ensure that you've seen it. And you had to go through a, a, an interview, for thirty minutes on the phone, which obviously takes time out with an advisor again that li- literally had no clue about the business um, to to ask for it for, for more detail. I mean, some of the questions on that that call were particularly ludicrous because they were things like, okay, your profit has gone up from last year, or your turnover, sorry, has gone up from last year from X to X. Why is that? And I had to answer, well, because the business has performed better this year. But why (laughs) was the answer to the question, which I found it. I mean, she was like, did you get more contracts? Did you get. And then, then we went through every single payment that had been made to my account and gone out of my account of any significant amount and asked me, who is this and what is it? Which I, I think is intrusive, and in fact, so this. But it was easier to answer the question I mean, to, to refuse and potentially have them cut off money. And, and again, it comes down to the fact that it's it's even more infuriating when you consider that I've not got asked for a single penny in terms of loan. Yeah, and it's not it's not even that they, they didn't even understand our business particularly. It was like, it's, it seems to me that they didn't understand any. Business, particularly, and, and just the basic fundamentals of why one's turnover or profit would increase, uh, or why would you would receive a payment of any you know any kind of sum over over a certain amount. You know, it seemed um, yeah, it seems quite incredible the questions that were coming up.
0: So, getting a bank account set up, even to get your business off the ground, can be hugely time-consuming. Time you actually don't have when you're trying to make a success of a brand new venture. It involves a lot of paperwork, face-to-face interviews, and sometimes, as in Paul's case, what you want can't even be provided. Or to Sam's point, you have to impart a lot of sensitive data about your business, which feels quite intrusive, sometimes even after the account has been opened. Naturally, this is hugely frustrating and why a lot of SMBs are considered underserved. As Oak North CEO and SMB champion Rishi Kosler described it, SMBs often fall through the gaps between personal banks and corporate banks and continue to be seen as too much risk for banks to take on. That means banks are missing out on filling a huge gap in the market. Because
4: what's happened in the lending market generally is that you've had people massively focus on trying to figure out how do you make the best lending decision for a small 10, 50, 80,000 pound lend. And you've had a lot of people figure out how can I get the best service for an institutional client who wants to borrow hundreds of millions or billions, right? But the companies sort of in between are almost the missing middle, right? So if you, if you want to borrow from a few hundred thousand to say 20, 30 million, you're too small for the institutional guys to get involved and therefore analyze you for, for what you are as a business. Therefore, you get thrown to a much more of a product-driven approach, which is a retail-esque type experience. And that just leads to a lot of businesses not getting served. So in our view, we were solving a real problem which is this missing middle, really not getting served well by existing lenders, either be it debt funds or banks, coupled with our view on how to actually tackle that market, which is really by integrating what we had learned around credit research with actual data machine learning technology to be able to provide significant leverage to do the right type of analysis at the right cost point.
0: So what's next on the list of challenges for an SMB owner? Well, assuming you now have a bank account, you will almost certainly need to take out a loan in order to grow. As our interviewees can attest, that too is often a huge undertaking. Big banks are very risk-averse and take weeks to approve credit. They require lots of paperwork, multiple in-person visits, and often it can take nearly a whole quarter to get the credit that SMBs needed yesterday. Consequently, SMBs are turning away from the banks they're affiliated with and going instead to new providers and lenders
1: so most businesses with cash flow problems typically realize that they have a problem within sort of like 7 to 14 days of actually needing the cash and in our experience most banks are incapable of turning around a finance application within the, the, the two-week time frame. Typically, we'd advise a client that it's a, a six-week turnaround. Now, there's definitely some exceptions and, and some banks are, are better than others, but actually, a six-week turnaround on being able to access finance is really uh, really dangerous for a business Really, really put a business under, which is why I think we've seen such a, a explosion in the alternative finance providers. If you look at the the likes of Market Invoice or iWalker, they're able to get you finance same day within at least within a, a couple of days. So even in cases where the finance is significantly more expensive with an alternative lender, businesses are still going there first because they can get the cash fastest and actually when it's literally a matter of the business's survival. So in many cases, the speed of access to finance is more important to business than a competitive interest rate. There's a much higher degree of certainty that they'll get the money as well. So the other challenge with going to the bank for finance is you can go through this 4, 6, sometimes 8, 12 week uh, application process with the bank and still not get the finance in the end. What we're seeing is a lot of the smaller lenders are actually building relationships with the business in the same way that the, the banks were doing maybe 30, 50, uh, 100 years ago and actually are able to be more agile with their lending decisions as a result of their increased enhanced knowledge of the business. For startup businesses it's a problem but it's also a problem for like well-established businesses, so uh, it might be that they've got a, a big tax bill that somehow they need to finance or more frequently they've just Growing businesses uh, picked up a, a great new contract, but they need the working capital to, to get behind that. The reality is, if you're if you're waiting two to three months uh, to get that finance, it, it's just unworkable. You can't take the, the contract on, and actually, that work that growth is actually in danger of of putting the business under. So, if you're running a, a growing business, where are you going to go? You're going to end up going to the smaller, nimble provider that's essentially beating the
0: bank at their own game. Sam was more of the opinion that he'd rather stay away from getting credit at all unless it was absolutely required. And even then, he'd trust a challenger rather than his bank.
2: You know, if we absolutely needed it, we would have no choice but to go through that process, of course. But um, Or if we absolutely had something that we wanted to do where we needed a significant amount of money. And I, I think that's the point. I would probably go through the pain of it if we really needed it and we wouldn't be able to survive without it. Would I go through that route, through my banking route, if I needed finance now to to invest or to to even if it was internally to take on new talent or whatever I want to do to push the business forward? Would the bank be the first place I'd go? Probably not. I would probably trust a challenger with loaning money more than I would if I was going to be investing a certain amount of money. If if you are receiving money, the the risk to you is low. You know, part of it's going to be looking at what's the overall cost of it, but. One of the things is if you want something to, to do something quickly, then that's probably a better option.
0: None of this sounds like fun. Indeed, as Paul implied, it feels like the legacy banks are actively trying to scare off the S&B owner in their endeavour to protect their own interests. However, there are smaller, more flexible challengers joining the market, such as Walker and Market Invoice, who are willing to help s get off the ground with much less stringent approaches and easy access to credit. And unsurprisingly, s would prefer to work with them than their own banks. Likewise, fintechs such as Tired and Starling are using new technology to make ID verification much easier, saving the customer time, effort and paperwork with digital face recognition, meaning you no longer have to go into a branch in person to prove that you are who you say you are. It's small touches like this, gradually moving the traditionally laborious SMB processes into faster digital processes that will really make a difference overall as is the move of the smaller banks, fintechs, and lending companies into more advisory roles. It is more beneficial for them to advise the customer as to what service or loan they require than the customer to be forced to guess, take out more credit than they really need, and default on their payments in a worst-case scenario. This is costly for larger banks to undertake, as they usually have one financial advisor per 500 customers. However, if some of the in-person elements are removed by digital alternatives, such as digital IT verification or automated advisors for quick queries, this can take a lot of strain from the human advisors and save the banks time and money. That makes it more profitable for them to serve smaller businesses, and in turn, the SMBs get a wider range of providers to choose from. While changes are still afoot, the SMB owner is still not done with their nightmare of banking and financial scenarios. The third and final pain point we have identified as worthy of highlighting is making and receiving payments. We went back to our three case studies, Oren, Sam and Paul, for further insight into this one. It was
3: actually some of the challenges we were trying to tackle as well when I was working for some of my clients. It was how to automate and reconciliation, how to enable payments for multiple individuals in the business and how to empower. And it was a very evident pain point in terms of how. I think the complication have, came about because different businesses operate in lots of different ways. So some businesses it's the managing director who makes all the payments In some of them he empowers the financial director. That financial director can be an interim or he could be part-time, he could be a contractor, it could be the secretary, the PA who's doing it or the office administrator. So I think some of the complications Complications are, you know, how easy does the bank make it and then if a mistake happens, who's liable? And that's I think part of the, the constraints so are regulatory, not technical. That's not the tooling that's the issue, it's the liability because it's money,
1: right? So the way that online banking especially is engineered at the moment is for a small business that needs the business owner to make that payment in the vast majority of cases. So, there are various options for bigger businesses that uh, even those are are reasonably clunky. But for a a small business, they're dependent on making all the staff salary payments, all of the supplier payments. So, we see uh, clients on holiday have their business in in reasonably good shape but have to log in to pay the staff expenses or or pay a, a certain supplier. What it leads to is some business owners are sharing their online banking credentials so that someone else can make the payments for them. And uh, obviously that's a bit crazy and uh, c- clearly you wouldn't advise someone to do that.
2: One of the things that I found and you know, might be frustrating is, well, there's a couple of things here, but one of the things was that um, any international payment that we make uh, cost a fortune. I believe that any international payments kind of- £17 pounds at the best, and it can be up to £30 pounds for, for one payment if you're making it internationally. Now, we work with people across the globe, so we're doing a fair amount of those kind of payments. Um, so, that's that's pretty bad. Naturally, actually, we, we, we do use a, a separate service from our bank to make uh, foreign currency payments. So, we go out and we send it to a UK-based account of a UK company, and they will uh, do the exchange and send it to the provider or the supplier for us in that way. Uh, just to save on those kind of transaction charges and on top of that we get better rates so it's actually no-brainer to do that. Uh, at one point there was a certain, I can't remember the exact criteria but there was some criteria that we hadn't met or it did meet that I meant we had to go into, uh, I think it may have been a value thing, I think it was over a certain value and we had to go into the branch again. We had to go down there and sit in, in a line and wait to see somebody to, for them to actually go on and click around and make the payment for me ironically although that was your only route to making that payment there was also a chart an extra charge because i did it in store <laughs> as opposed to online even though i couldn't do it online um, or on the telephone so yeah uh typical kind of problems which you know things that seem absolutely nonsensical and if you if you work it work it through from a from a user experience perspective and um, they make absolutely no sense whatsoever and you're only the only conclusion you can, can get to at the end of something like that is that it's only being done to make you spend more money we're just one of hundreds of thousands of, of small business accounts that they have and you know the guy at the branch won't, won't remember our name and nobody else will, will have ever heard of us within that bank and won't really care much even though for us what we have in there is, is a considerable amount of money you know it pays, pays 20 people and it you know it runs a business and um, so to us it's very important that that's done right and, and done well um, and so, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't leave a great taste in the mouth when, when, when you get issues. I mean, we had an issue for a long time where there's suddenly out.
0: There's a lot of red tape involved in SMB payment processes, often only a limited amount of stakeholders. In some case, only the business owner themselves can authorise payments when a business is still quite small. This is quite limiting and frustrating. What if the credit controller is on holiday? How does everyone get paid on time? This can lead to sharing of logins and passwords, which naturally leads to a lack of security and is not ideal. Likewise, international payments are costly and customer service can also sometimes be limited and frustrating. To a small business owner, their business is their world, but when it feels like it's not valued at all by the bank, it can be highly distressing. That's why it's unsurprising when SMBs feel apathetic towards their banks. As we said at the start, SMBs have it tough when it comes to the simplest banking practices and services. So is this going to get any better? Well, to some extent it already is. Fintechs and challengers like Iwaka, Tide and many others besides are making strides in this direction. But it's not happening quickly enough. So much more needs to be done. That said, while these firms meet a subsection of needs, there are still some gaps. So what do SPs actually want from banks and fintechs going forward? Or and Paul and Sam gave us their verdicts.
3: So I think there definitely needs to be some government intervention in terms of the regulatory constraints and i think there needs to be increased competition and i think the, the lower the barrier to entry into the market and the more contenders there can be the more segments can be carved out to meet lots of different businesses needs because so many different businesses have different needs um and it's just not possible to do that even with 5 or 10 or 15 banks i mean it's very very few I think for the, the scale and complication of, of the market, you know. I mean, at one point we were doing um, work for clients and we saw that clients who are importing very large volumes and the whole businesses, you know, they're importing, uh, you know, 25 million pounds worth of uh, shoes from China, right? Their cash flow component is so critical for their business in a way that it isn't pertinent for other businesses who are very cash rich, right? So, and it just really needs to be tailored and it needs to be more fragmentation more competition that's probably the only solution i've come up with but um, it's exciting what is going on i think these new businesses are coming about now there is i think there are there are specific regulatory bodies that are just for fintech and that's great so it's moving along just slowly
2: I think there needs to be a better information sharing between the business and the bank, or they need to make some intelligent decisions on seeing how things are going, even if it's to the case of saying, okay, this business is growing, we can see that from overall transaction volumes or those kind of things they we be able to say, okay, this, this this business is going in this direction, and actually, we should give them more support, less support, or you know, or be able to to offer certain things quickly. So, if you you say, oh, good, we've got five more salespeople starting, we need five credit cards. They should just be able to send them out there and then on the spot without any questions and with preset limits based on what they know your your overall business health is like.
1: I think the best possible outcome for small businesses is that the traditional banks continue. With the digital transformation they're undergoing, currently see some like really exciting signs with some of the traditional banks in terms of digital mandates being able to set up bank accounts, set up payments so much so much faster. That if they can increase the the pace of their transformation, which is completely possible, I think that's the best possible outcome for small businesses. Like say, so, hand in hand with the digital transformation is. Basically, the like number one, uh, an improved experience, a more transparent experience for the small business owner, knowing how to get help, where to get help, what to go when. If you look at the experience for most small businesses at the moment, they wouldn't know where to start to get a bank. They probably phone up one number that's on their bank statement and uh, get passed around it a gazillion times. So, it, like a digital transformation of the client experience would be number one, and number two just the whole speed thing so the speed of being able to set up a bank account with so long as there's no compliance reason not to we should be able to set up a bank account same day should be able to make it like a lending decision at least within a week maximum should be able to enable businesses to to make payments with like a swipe right swipe left kind of authorization Uh, i think it could be really exciting and empowering for small businesses and we're probably actually not that far away from being able to do it
0: like paul we think it could be a really exciting time for small businesses it seems to be the go-to space for innovation and improved customer experience right now so smbs have everything to gain going forward listen out for a future episode of this show where we'll be speaking to legacy banks and fintech to see who's doing the most to pave the way for financial service provision for smbs going forward and who can effectively serve this huge sector of society We want to find out about all the exciting developments that are being worked on by digital banking teams to help SMBs, and who is going to win the race and make the biggest difference first. Stay tuned. This episode of Fintech Insider was hosted by me, Sarah Koshansky, produced by Laura Watkins, Ollie Judge and Petra Parisha, and edited by Michael Bailey. Thanks to Edward Burks and Julian Moore from Zero, Paul Bullpit from Wow Company, Sam Booth, CEO of Just After Midnight, and Oren Greenberg, Digital Marketing Consultant at Kerf. 11FS transforms businesses and frankly get shit done. To find out what they can do for you, email hello at 11FS.com. If we hooked you with this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast client. Tune in next week when we venture outside of the London bubble of fintech. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.